Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Second part of my interview with Greg Lansdowne, the author of now a couple of books on soccer cards, stickers, and the history, especially with respect to Panini, historical stuff, as well as current. Appreciate the hard work he's put in. Really appreciate people in the industry that dig deep and are willing to share their knowledge and publish it. So thanks, Greg. This is our discussion about soccer cards and soccer stickers. So thanks, everybody. And here it is. Okay. Tell us about your first book. In 2014, I collected the Panini Brazil World Cup album. At that time, I was a relative lapsed collector. I had collected a lot in the 80s and 90s, but hadn't collected too much up until about 2012 when I found all my old albums and decided I was going to try to finish them all. I enjoyed that process so much that in 2014, they were giving the Brazil 2014 Panini sticker out in supermarkets and newsagents for free, which is not something Panini had done before. So I thought, I'll, I'll do that. I, I haven't collected an album in real time for a long time. I, I enjoy the experience. And I enjoyed it so much that I completed it twice. You could swap with people on Twitter and Facebook, and some of my friends were doing it. It just reminded me about the, the good old days of uh, Panini Sicker Collective. As a writer, it then, then got me thinking, this is Panini's biggest ever selling album. At that point, they'd been going for more than 50 years. How do they keep capturing generation after generation? I thought... Nobody knows a lot about Panini. Uh, if no one else is going to do it, why don't I uh, write a book about them? So I pitched an idea uh, to a publisher. They, they agreed. It, it wasn't just about Panini. It was actually about the history of all football or soccer stickers in the UK, all the brands. And it also went back to when it was cards as well. What I uncovered was a story I wasn't expecting at all. Now, having read a lot of books about the American sports card market since then, it had a lot of parallels with the scandals and some of the, the murkier people involved in the industry. There are also a lot of good people, but I, I thought it would be an entirely wholesome industry because the concept of football sticker collecting seemed wholesome to me. It, it was a very interesting story. It got turned into an ITV documentary two years later, uh, and, and I just seemed to keep writing more and more about collectibles, not just soccer, but also other sports and uh, women's sports and uh, even some articles for, Be for Beckett magazine. And it just kept on going. My first book wasn't very image-led, because that is, after all, what collectibles are about, the image. I wrote to a publisher in 2017 and said, I feel there's another book in this. And at this time, I want it to be about Panini, this time a more image-led. After four years of discussions with Bloomsbury and then Panini, it was decided at the start of 2021 that we do an official book to mark the 60th anniversary of Panini, which is this year, since they released their first ever album, the 61-62 Calciatore album. That is what this book is now. It's published on November the 25th. And it's already been doing very well on uh, Amazon, and I've been doing a lot of promotion for it. It's good for nos people who like nostalgia, but it, it also comes up to date with more recent albums. It covers all the, the Women's Soccer World Cup albums and, and Euro album, and tells the story of all these tournaments. It's got some quirky sections about haircuts and moustaches and managers when they were players, so when they're a lot younger. And I, I was sent a, a pre-publishing copy a few weeks ago, and it's always anticipatory, always worry, but I'm not being biased to say that I think Bloomsbury have done a, a really good job. My first book was pretty much self-published, and it had three components, as you said. There's the story, the informational aspect, the pictures. But then the third thing we had was price guide. And I'm wondering what, how you dealt with the matter of a price guide or prices in your first book or this second one. First one... I would say 
In terms of figures, all I would have touched on would have been the price of packets of stickers, the price of albums, how many packets were sold per album. But there wasn't a lot of information around for that. The, the relative companies didn't like giving information out in terms of how much their, their licenses cost because knowledge is power for the other, other company. In terms of the value of stickers for my first book, it was completely alien to European collectors. There was no value in terms of every sticker. If you went on eBay in 2014 and tried to get that Diego Maradona sticker that went for $555,000, in 2014, I would imagine you could get it for $10. It, it just wasn't something that we thought about. The only album that had a premium in, in that first book, Stuck on You, would have been the first World Cup album, Mexico 70. So that was going for several thousand pounds then, and it's going up now. But it, the individual stickers were also going up a bit, but nowhere near what they were now. Now, in terms of the second book, there's no price guide because the book is just aimed at UK collectors. There's a lot of interest in Europe, and I'm sure a lot of people from America will be interested because of the rookie card nature now and to, to learn a bit more about the players from the 80s and 90s and, and, and the 70s. But it, it covers albums. One of the main sections is the golden era of UK Panini albums from Football 78 to 93. There was a Paul Gascoigne rookie. There was a Gary Lineker rookie in, in Football 84. So I'll touch on that. But I think because the value of these stickers are going up week on week, whatever I put in this book, which was signed off in April, would already be massively out of date. So there aren't many values given because I'd be made to look silly by the time the book came out. But certainly I do flag up certain stickers which are massively increasing in value because they are rarer. Would you say that eBay is the primary marketplace where these are being bought and sold for specific stickers and players and rookies? Is that, is yes. that where people should go? Is that the number one place worldwide? I would have said yes, probably, up until 18 months ago when the North American collectors landed in, in terms of, obviously, they've been on eBay collecting cards from their own sports that they follow more avidly. But from 18 months ago, now you don't get anywhere near as much value. You will have to pay a hell of a lot more than you would have done 18 months ago. So I think a lot of people are trying to do more private deals on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or there's there's several other marketplaces. Sometimes people will put a collection of albums on and they might not know the value. So some people can almost take advantage of these people. There are specific sports auctions, but there are far fewer bargains to be had now than there were 18 months ago because people have cottoned onto it. If you go on Instagram now and look at soccer cars and soccer stickers, every hour there seems to be a post about somebody, this is my newest rookie and I got it for this amount, or I'm, I'm selling this card or this sticker. People have wisened up. There are bargains to be had, but far fewer than there would have been 18 months ago. I'm just wondering if there was a more comprehensive price guide out there, would that expand the market? My sense is, like with baseball back 50 years ago, that it probably would. That mm -hmm. For every person that wants to sell, there's a few who are not ready to sell because they don't want to be taken advantage of. I subscribe to Beckett Sports Card Monthly, and I think people in the UK and Europe would be surprised when you have your hot list section. Soccer is bracketed with the other sports. Now, to anyone in Europe or South America or um, Africa, they would be astonished to see soccer as another sport. 
Globally, it is the biggest sport. In America, there's huge growth to be had, it, even expanding the price guide in, in the Beckett magazines. And, and I would like to be involved in a, a Beckett magazine equivalent in, in the UK. But we know these days it's, it's a big struggle. I've edited and, and written many magazines in, in my uh, time. If, if this explosion happened 15, 20 years ago, I would have been the first person writing to publishers suggesting that we do a magazine like that. Even now, I still wouldn't rule it out, but it's a lot harder. But certainly the information is required, but probably more likely someone would do a website for it these days rather than a print publication. Yeah. If I were in charge, I think soccer, that's the boost that it needs, whether it be an expansion of the online price guide or an occasional print book or magazine where you could just look through. Because basically, if you have 100 soccer cards, tell the average American one of these is really valuable and the other 99 are not, they're not yeah. going to be able to pick out the one without yeah. being a, a very advanced fan and even rookie cards. Is it a rookie because it's the first appearance of the player or yeah. the first appearance of the player in that league? Yeah. Even now, it, it's mainly American collectors rather than UK and European collectors, but, but some American collectors won't acknowledge a sticker as being a rookie. Whereas to, to Europeans, Stickers are just as valuable as, as cards. Collective opinion in the culture, but that those opinions and preferences can change. Why do you think it took a relative newcomer in Parkside to, to produce a, a major NWSL collection in the US rather than one of the, the, the bigger players? Is, is the confidence in this product still not there? Do you think the success of the Parkside product will see other manufacturers take notice? I think so soccer is the emerging category. Fanatics may be taking interest, but Tops is already doing soccer. Panini's already doing soccer. Upper Deck has done soccer. So yeah, I think they're all looking at it and trying to figure out what league do I want to associate with. The challenge is Americanizing the product for a primarily American audience of collectors slash investors. But the larger card companies have in general, more overhead, more marketing machinery that has to get in gear. But I hope they're going to take it very seriously. Panini's been there all along, but soccer is the number one participation and spectator sport in the world. It reminds me of when Upper Deck was starting golf cards back in 2000-ish. We had lots of meetings with them and they saw it would be important to have a, a golf price guide, a magazine, some collateral materials and support. We had lots of negotiations with them and we launched our golf magazine at the same time they launched their golf product, which was Heavy Tiger Woods. The price guide companies, mainly my old company. I think they'd love to have somebody step up with some kind of a joint venture or something. The nomenclature is important of what to call the card, the, the ability to identify it and authenticate it, grade it, but price it. When that happens, I think the market could explode. If I was much younger, I would do it because I think it's a very exciting and open-ended project. But I am not going to take that on because if I try to do something, I'm going to try to do it really well. My first goal was to level the playing field and bring order out of chaos. And the playing field is not level for soccer right now. Mm. There's a lot of chaos with different leagues and a lot of misinformation. If that was all cleaned up, I think soccer could absolutely take off. And it's like the early days of baseball cards. They guard their knowledge to a great degree. They, they have hard-earned knowledge of what has uh, lower supply and higher demand, they don't willingly want to give that out. I'm fortunate that I had unselfish contributors back 45 years ago to, that were very helpful in getting the word out there. So I'm bullish on soccer. Simpler days of Panini trading one for ones and sending okay. in for the ones you need. That's the charm of the past, but those days are long gone.
And, and Panini knows that, and the other companies know that too. Wondering if you're aware that ProSet were responsible for reviving sports cards in the UK during the early 90s. They only released soccer cards for two seasons in the, in the UK, but the first one was so popular that the two major players in the market over here at the time, Panini and uh, Merlin, released cards to compete the following season. I, I don't feel that the ProSet has the same respect in the US. Do you think that could change with, with Leaf Revival? ProSet had some amazing innovations and were ahead of its time, but they're one of the companies that epitomizes the junk wax era. Mm-hmm. My sense is that even the English ProSet cards and those early 90s Merlin, they're overproduced. I, I basically tried to have a little bit of every product that came out just so I'd be able to talk about it and have some research uh, base. ProSet was an amazing company. They were amazing for four years and then they're gone. But if they single-handedly relaunch soccer in the UK, then hats off to them. If Brian Gray at Leaf can resurrect some of that innovation, which Brian is a very innovative guy, and have more production control and modernize the product, then that would be great. I was a fan of Lud Denny to some extent in the day. He had a vision that other people didn't have. His execution, he got it out there and maximized the distribution but he got caught in the junk wax era. He printed to perceived demand in, instead of to actual demand. Yeah. That's what kills the golden goose. You've got to have some restraint. Otherwise, you commoditize it. And that's not what a collectible should be. When I was growing up in the UK during the 80s, there was barely a card collection to be found. It, it was all about the, the stickers and mainly Panini. Now, in, in, in light of the Diego Maradona sticker that sold for $555,000 a US auction earlier this year, do, do you think stickers can ever become more of a thing in North America? I wouldn't bet against it. Without grading, maybe not. But with grading, the fact that stickers are uh, generally way more condition sensitive than cards, hmm. and just in the way they're handled, the way they're packed, to get a 9.5 or a 10 of a sticker is extremely difficult. When people look down on other kinds of collectibles and saying that's never going to be worth anything, it's amazing. Now, looking back, the conventional wisdom was wrong. And betting against soccer and against stickers, the fact they're so in the public consciousness, those are positive. There aren't many around now that are 9.5s and 10s of your favorite players. When you slab up a sticker as opposed to slabbing up a card, they don't look different at arm's length. No. 